it's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Showtime. Hello, everyone. Hey, right, it's showtime. Welcome to the Stock Car Show. Glad to have you with us on a Thursday night. We are broadcasting live this evening once again from the... Mooresville headquarters of uh, HMS Motorsport, I the leaders in motorsport safety. Right there. Well, I wasn't quite sure <laughs> where I was going with that, but I recovered. Uh, HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. And of course, at eight o'clock, we have got a safety seminar coming up. It is going to be onboard fire systems. And you are going to want to be prepared to jump over to Facebook either the Race Chaser online Facebook page or the HMS Motorsport Facebook page, dual Facebook Live simulcasts of that seminar coming up in about one hour at 8 o'clock Eastern. Again, welcome aboard. My name is Tom Baker, the CEO and Senior Editor of Race Chaser Online. Joining me here at HMS, Jacob Seelman, the Managing Editor, and Rents Brown, all the way from California this weekend as we get set to cover uh, the Charlotte racing action and uh that glad to have california IA is in the building yeah glad to have rents uh with us this weekend helping out with the coverage and helping out tonight on the show yeah no problem thanks for having me up here i, I walked all the way here so it was it was a good uh, exercise so i know that we have fit stops on <laughs> on thursday so you know what <laughs> i decided to get my walking in to yeah, go. there you go i'm sure hunter will be proud of you hunter will be back next week no fit stop tonight we've got plenty of other Good stuff coming up, however. Uh, Casey Kane in the building. We're hoping to be able to sit down and chat with Casey here in a bit. And uh, we've got, of course, uh, Austin and Billy from HMS aboard and uh, ready to conduct the seminar shortly. But uh, we'll start here talking a little bit about some stuff that has come out today on the Newswire because we've had plenty of that. <laughs> Have we ever? Some new paint schemes just announced. Well, I, I like the paint schemes that Hendrick announced, and that's certainly well worth the newswire. But I think it's more prudent to start with the two driver announcements we had dropped today out of the Xfinity If you series. want, we'll go there. That's fine. Yes, we will start with the fact that Richard Childress Race, Racing has made a rehire and an acquisition, Tom. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, this is really kind of an interesting scenario. Matt Tift, who has spent this season racing over at Joe Gibbs Racing, yep. now going to be headed to Richard Childress Racing. And the interesting piece of this is that Matt's actually going to be driving the two car, the which deuce. which was an all-star car this year, right? So, car. yeah, so one less all-star car uh, in the Childress stable. Meanwhile... Coming back for his second season, mm -hmm. sophomore season, if you will, with uh, Richard Childress Racing will be Daniel Hemrick. And uh, happy for Daniel that he gets to come back. He really has had a good season so far. And I still think there's a chance that Daniel gets a win before we're done. I call this a deal of great faith on the part of Richard Childress Rents because Richard took a chance on Daniel. He believed in what Daniel's capable of. And you know what? Daniel Hemrick has not disappointed not at, at all. all this year. He's in the playoffs. He's been so consistent. Not gotten the win yet. But I firmly believe that that is coming possibly before the end of this playoff run. And I still believe that 21 car has a good shot to make the championship for. I honestly do. Well, Daniel Hamrick's been a guy that's really proven himself, I think. And a lot of people kind of overlooked him going yes. into the season. I mean, you I think agree. about the GRM guys that you guys have. 
Cole Custer came on strong, and everyone kind of overlooked RCR as a whole. Yeah. And now to have this, obviously we're into our cutoff race weekend for yes. the Xfinity Series is up, upcoming weekend at Charlotte. Yeah. So Hemrick, even though he's in a hole, I think for him more than anything else after the penalties that came out this week, yeah. I think for him, it's a bright spot. And yeah. Oh, yeah. he's got a lot to look forward to. And honestly, I could see him making the final four with how competitive he's been. And here's the other thing, guys. He hasn't driven over his head. No. Not one time has he overthought something. He's taken what the car's given him, gotten more out of it. But sometimes he doesn't, you know, do what other guys do, what I've seen them do in the truck series or even in the cup series. He's taking his time and he's learning. And he's yep. getting a lot from, I think, a lot can be credited to Brendan Gaunt. Oh, I agree. Tom, I've watched Daniel Hemrick since he first came to the summer shootout series yep, at Charlotte both. in 2006, I think it was his first Six year or seven. There. Won three championships in 09 and back-to-back in 13 and 14. And what Rent said is so, so, so true. He has never once, I've, I've never once seen Daniel Hemrick drive in over his head. He's smart, he's calculated, and he knows how to get the most out of his equipment without getting too much out of it, pushing it over the edge. Well, you know, I think that's been Daniel's forte has been taking care of his equipment. That's a specialty of his. I, I can remember watching him in the late models. You know, you run these 200, 250 lap late model races, Daniel just on the edge of being a lap down at one point in a race. And next thing you know, the end of the race comes and there he is running for the win. He knows how to pace himself and manage his equipment. Yes, absolutely right. So this is good. This gives RCR, I think, two very proven younger talents in the series and two drivers who I think in their rookie years have proven they are going to be championship contenders again next year. I think that's rent something that can't be understated in all of this. The fact that as rookies, both these guys are contending for the title and that would seem to only have room to grow next year. Well, the big thing I think with Matt Tift more than anything else, because He's a guy, I think, alongside of Daniel Hemrick, are two guys we're looking forward to seeing next year. And I think yeah. for Tift, more than anything else, it's not, it's not of his fault, but he's at a team where the driver lineup is predominantly cup guys. Yeah. And he's getting overlooked there. He's the only Xfinity regular we have this year. And, of course, Road America came and went for him, and what yeah. happened happened. But he's being overlooked at JGR. I'm not going to say that's a negative connotation completely no. because the people who get overlooked are sometimes the hungriest guys. Well, <clears throat> I don't know that he's being overlooked. I, you know, sometimes it just becomes too crowded. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's happened here at JGR. They've got a lot of drivers in the pipeline. We don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes there, right. but I think the opportunity for Matt to move over to Richard Childress racing, jump in the two car and know that he's got a good quality ride for a full season and can continue to learn and develop himself in the Xfinity series, which I think he needs another year. Agreed. You know, Agreed. it's a perfect situation for him. And then, you know, he can kind of move from there as his opportunity and talent allow. And, and I hope there is room to move from there because I think both I do of these too. guys are very, very deserving. I think they both will be at some point at the cup level. Yes. And I think they're both deserving of being at the cup level already with what they've shown. Now rents to transition back to what Tom was talking about right off the gun. We have paint schemes. 
Yeah, no, Hendrick Motorsports came out today and debuted and showed us all, they unveiled their 2018 ZL1 schemes, because next year we're going to the ZL1. The Camaro. Yep. yep. And Hendrick Motorsports came out with some sleek and sexy schemes. Uh, for starters, Jimmy Johnson is going to what looks like a predominantly black paint scheme next year with the yellow 48 numbers yep. coming back and the Lowe's pro services logo on the side, yep. a little bit different branding. Mm-hmm. And then the 24 driven by William Byron next year. Well, guys, the flames have come back. The, the old Jeff Gordon flames that we've seen for so many years are back on the car. And, mm-hmm. but this time it's not black as what's underneath, uh, underneath the flames, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a more of a Navy blue with the yellow numbers, with the black shade underneath it. The red, navy, blue, the flame scheme that Sam Bass had back in the mid-2000s was so Tom synonymous with Jeff. Yeah, it really was. In the middle stages of his career at Hendrick Motorsports. I love that it's coming back. Granted, I love any Sam Bass cars to begin with, but the flames for so many years were really, it was the essence of Hendrick, and I love to see him back with Exalta, with the 24. It just makes sense. Well, it makes sense, and it's really cool for William Byron, too, because because again, this is a young man who grew up in proximity to Rick Hendrick and has always been a fan of you know, Hendrick Motorsports. And I know that his goal from the outset was to, to try and make the way to Hendrick Motorsports. And I think, you know, William is a very talented young racer and has shown himself at every level to be championship material. Now, yep. you know, again, the, the Cup Series is a big step for him yeah, it is. but you know i think william will grow into the part and i think he'll do it fairly quickly i think so too now then there was the new car the nine car rents which to yep. me this wins my vote for best hendrick scheme in 2018 because i was hoping that we would get a white and blue scheme kind of reminiscent of the old ricky hendrick livery for one of the cars and they kind of took some cues from that on chase elliott's 2018 car i dig it yeah i do too and you know chase really wanted to drive the nine car for a long time because that's his father's number and i know the legacy of the elliott number is in there so for chase he's running the napa car next year napa staying on board and it's going to be a white and blue and yellow car for next year with the swooshes and all that involved and i think they're taking the nine font that jrm has right now and moving it over to the cup series for 2018 so good to see that car but I think my favorite paint scheme I've seen so far, Tom, is Alex Bowman's car for 2018. It's nationwide's coming back on board. And really, guys, more than anything else, this is a big chance for Alex Bowman. I think this is the guy we've all been looking at, all been hoping and waiting for to see. He's going to be on the track this weekend in the Xfinity Series in the 42. But the car is going to be nationwide. It's going to be white and blue. And then it's going to have black numbers on it, Tom. So I think there's a lot of promise at Hendrick Motorsports, a lot of young talent. And a lot of cool paint schemes we're going to be seeing in 2018. Yeah, I mean, you know, having the whole sort of Exalta paint shop uh, experience there on site, really, they just come out with some fantastic stuff. And that the 88 car looks real sharp. And, uh, you know, I think Alex is ready. I think he's ready to step into that role. And it's a, it, obviously big shoes to fill. It's a young Hendrick team right now. Yeah, and if you want to see those paint schemes, tune, uh, go to Race Chaser Online this week, and we'll have it up later in this week, so you can take a look at uh, the paint schemes we have coming out down the pipeline. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's it's always neat to sort of get a preview of what's ahead for Agreed. 2018, mm-hmm. and given that 
you know, we've spent time with William Byron on this show in the past, and we've spent time with Chase Elliott on this show in the past as well. So uh, really interesting to to see those guys in some new numbers, new equipment and, you know, different situations. Hendrick Motorsports for 2018. With that, we're actually going to step aside. When we come back, we'll have more. We are live from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on the Voice of Motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. But I want to walk 500 Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network, broadcasting live 
from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina. And in case you're wondering why we're chuckling here, it's because we have got Casey Kane with us. And Casey has brought his young son, Tanner, and uh, just held the microphone up to Tanner to see if he would talk. But uh, I guess <laughs> Tanner, not much to say, but Casey, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time to talk to us. And uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad to come over here. And uh, we spend a little bit of time over here. Our sprint car teams have always been on the belts, and, and so have I with everything I've raced. So it's it's neat to um, be over here and then be part of your guys' show as well. Well, we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we can talk NASCAR after a while, but I really want to talk about sprint cars because I know that's something that's really uh, big in your world and, and in ours, too. We're, we're big open-wheel fans. And um, you've got a sprint car team that uh, actually Brad Sweet doing very well right now. Yeah, Brad's had a really good year. He's been really consistent. Um, we haven't won a lot of races at KKR this year, but uh, Brad's been very consistent all year. Him and his team, uh, the top four probably every night, it seems like. They run in the top four, like second, third, or fourth. So it's uh, you know it's been a, a really good year there, uh, second in points. And then Darren, I would say since uh, about a week before Knoxville, you know he got his first win and then a few more since. And I feel like Darren Pittman's been much stronger since then. So we still have a little bit of racing to go this year. Darren's fourth in points, Brad's second, and uh, hopefully we can just keep getting better and, and then uh, give us a good good shot to start next year a little better than what we were this year even. I know, uh, and a lot of people made reference to it in the dirt circles, that it was a little bit of a slower start for you guys, but you met, hit on the consistency that Brad has had this year. And I know in a schedule like the outlaws when you're running 80 90 races that's so key and it's really hard to do uh as well knowing the different tracks that they hit just to to be able to do what brad's done i'm sure has been a really high point for for you and for your guys this season yeah for sure it's not easy uh, with all the different tracks uh everything that's thrown at them throughout a 90 95 race schedule um yeah it's a it's a tough schedule grueling schedule throughout the year for not just the drivers and the crew chiefs the mechanics everybody traveling i mean it's a tough it's a tough deal and it's a lot of fun when i go and do it i do it for a weekend or two weekends in a row or something like that depending on my schedule but um man what they do for 10 months out of the year is is pretty wild it's a lot of racing I was going to ask you about that because you have been able to make a few starts this season in the sprint car, kind of get back to your roots a little bit. Has that kind of been a, a breath of fresh air for you, being able to to have those times away from your NASCAR duties? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always enjoyed the sprint cars, and that's why we have the teams because I like that that style of race, and that's the race that I started in and learned a lot in. Um, so still enjoy that a lot, and when I can go and do it, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's I think next year I'll actually hopefully be able to do more, you know, just watching the schedule and, and with my new opportunity at Levine Racing. Um, I think we can do some more sprint car racing as well and keep it all going. Uh, yeah, looking forward to all that. That's great to hear, you know, guys like you and, and Kyle Larson that really enjoy when they get a chance to go back to their roots. I know it's special not just for you guys, but really for the fan support that you guys get going out and doing that is great to see too. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. We went up to uh, – Kyle was there and myself, uh, Rico, um, I forget who else that wasn't a normal PA posse guy, but we went to PA speed week and we ran the first four nights and just to see the crowds at every one of those races supporting the speed week and supporting all their drivers. And then to be part of that was, was awesome, uh, for myself. I know Kyle enjoyed it, Rico, 
and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so hopefully i can do that again next year do some ohio speed week stuff and then try to do more world of outlaw races as well that's a it's a huge deal up there obviously for those guys and you know i'm originally from uh oswego new york and i know that uh several years ago you actually made it to oswego and helped promote a usac race there but i i really want to touch on the moment when you strapped into a super modified and took some hot laps for john Dakotra as a teammate to otto sitterly tell me what that was like for you because that had to be a real departure from what you're used to i'm sure it was a lot of fun yeah i had a blast just going to oswego for the first time and uh you know racing the silver crown car i'd always heard so much about the track and then to get in that uh super was pretty really cool hey looks like tanner wants to talk supers too he's he's uh he's wanting that microphone awfully badly (laughs) yeah he's starting to get excited here uh we're sitting we've been sitting too long but future media um, yeah we uh yeah really enjoyed the super enjoyed oswego um the silver crown race that night it was a it was a neat uh it was a cool event to be part of i'm glad we were part of that and haven't been uh I don't even know how many silver crown races I've done since then, but that was a, uh, that was a good time. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, again, something different for you. I'm sure. And speaking of something different, you've got an opportunity next year to, uh, to drive for Levine and you know, that's a, that's a really cool bunch of people. And I think, you know, it, it feels to me like this is sort of right time, right situation for them. And, and I, I'm, I'm curious, you, I know you're looking forward to, to trying to help them build the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've done a great job over the last, you know, they started seven years ago, just getting their feet wet and racing more and more each year. And then the last two years they've been full time and they've really made huge improvements, uh, with their performance weekly, uh, their results weekly. And it's, uh, it's been cool to watch for a small team like that. So yeah, to be part of that single car team, um, they have a lot of good people there and it'll be interesting to go in there and see how we can do. I think it's, uh, we're going to, I think we're going to do really well and it's going to be a lot of fun to be part of that and, and just work hard every week to, to try to keep improving. I hear the enthusiasm in your voice and I know obviously I'm sure it's a different dynamic uh, shifting down to a single car operation versus what you've had at Hendrick the last few years. But I've got to imagine in a way it's a little refreshing, I guess, in a sense, because it's one group of guys, one team, one car, and kind of the camaraderie there is going to be probably a lot closer in a way than uh, than at Hendrick with the multi-car squad. Yeah, I think it would be, you know, that side of it would be really nice. The uh, the owners, uh, the guys um, that I've worked with so far over there, they're just all really into it, you know, and really into um, me being part of it, them putting... Uh, a big effort into it and so yeah i mean i i think it's uh it's refreshing kind of like you were saying so yeah we're gonna we're gonna enjoy it we're gonna work hard and um try to try to win a race or two over there i think that would be pretty awesome That'd if we could great. well i mean the biggest thing too is the fact that you know you get to kind of refocus i, I think the last couple of years have been struggling parts for you but going to the last couple of uh, races of the season casey what does it look like especially with darian grub on top of the box and you're coming to one of your best tracks which is Charlotte. What are you looking forward to kind of coming back to the mile and a half program that it is Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte, uh, I feel like the last two years has been one of my most difficult tracks. Mm-hmm. Prior to that was probably my best or was definitely my best track in cup. So uh, we looked at that this week going into it and, you know, looking forward to Friday doing some practice and some qualifying and then 
Saturday as well and just trying to get a good, really balanced car for Sunday. But yeah, Darian's, uh, he's been really cool to work with. I think the way he's got the team working with the team, letting the guys kind of do their, um, do their jobs and then putting it all together. Um, it's been pretty neat. I've, I've enjoyed it for the last couple of weeks and we'll just do the best that we can all the way to the end of the season. And, uh, and then I'll move on. And I, I think that group will be strong. I think, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be good in the future as well. But yeah, I'd, um, it'll be much different after this year, but yeah, I think we can run good the rest of the year. I hope we can be really cool to get another win for HMS with HMS before I'm, yeah. before I, you know, move on and do something different. What's it been like working with Rick, who obviously uh, was a big part of the last five, six years of your career? And I've heard so many drivers before just say, obviously, not what he, not just what he's done for the sport, but what he's meant to them outside the race car as well. You know, have you felt that? What's that been like? Yeah, I think, you know, like he's he's a big part of, um, you know, wanting is wanting the place to run better, wanting it to the performance to be up at times and, and things when we're behind a little bit. But um so you see that he's also running his other businesses he's he's a busy busy man so uh to see the effort that he puts in and when he shows up it's always great to have him around um you know so that's that's neat uh i think what he does for other people what he does for the people who work for him and also uh, other organizations around the season around the year you know what him and linda do uh, has always been impressive to me to watch that from the outside and see how they you know, help and touch other people, try to help their lives and things. So yeah, I've always been a big fan of Mr. H and now the last five years working with him and, you know, understanding him a lot closer, you, uh, you see some of that stuff for, you know, right, right in front of you. So it's really neat. Obviously you mentioned, uh, getting back to victory lane and wanting to do that again before the end of this year, you had the big win at Indianapolis to lock into the playoffs and it's a crown jewel race. It's Indy. I mean, that, what was the emotion like of that day? I imagine it was one of the biggest wins, if not the biggest, of your career. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was unreal because I I feel like that was you know a race that I've always wanted so bad. I lived up there for three years and went to so many different races at Indianapolis, and uh, yeah, so it was it was awesome to get in that position, be in the position late in the race, and be able to win it. Um, felt really good. It was. It still feels good today. You know, that was just a. Um, kind of big checklist, you know, like I felt really good to get that win at the brickyard and it put us in the playoffs. We, we didn't run good at Chicago at all. And then we ran pretty decent the last two weeks, but broke at New Hampshire, broke apart and, uh, didn't move on. So I think we're, we could have easily moved on if we just didn't break that part, but that's part of, part of racing. And we just have to finish the best that we can this year and, uh, hopefully keep moving up through the points through, you know, till the end. It's about playing spoiler now, which I know obviously Darian's no stranger to and uh, would be a lot of fun to to see that for you guys, Casey. And I'm curious because you mentioned uh, you mentioned wanting to run more and potentially running more with the sprint car next year. But out of all the other races outside of NASCAR, is there one on the bucket list that maybe you're eyeing at some point here down the future, a race that maybe you've always wanted to go to? just haven't quite been able to make happen yet yeah i mean i've always um you know i think uh i've hit most of the races i wanted to in sprint cars i'd love to run the knoxville nationals again um but the only way i would do that is if i ran a sprint car enough early in the season to actually feel like i was prepared and capable to 
to do what those guys, you know, they're all, everybody at that race, 50, 60 races in and they're ready to go. So it's, I think that's a really difficult race to just go and race, you know, with, without doing a lot of racing, but I, I would love to do the nationals again. Um, and then I, th- I think the Indy 500 has always been on my list. Uh, I enjoy watching it every year. I did a couple of tests in Indy cars, which was years ago. So things have changed a lot, but that is something, you know, that I've always thought about and, uh, wanted to try to make work with the cup schedule. It hasn't to this point. And, um, it, it could in the future, maybe. I, I mean, I really don't know, but I would like to at least look at it and, you know, see if it could somehow work out because I think it's an unbelievable event, unbelievable race. Uh, so much goes into that race and the history of the race. And, um, man, there's some, the racing there is spectacular. The drivers are unreal. So to somehow be part of that, I think could be pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Well, Casey, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us here and, uh, Definitely look forward to seeing what you got in store for the rest of the season and starting this weekend at Charlotte, of course. And uh, again, look forward to possibly getting you back on a future show and talking a little bit more as we get closer to 2019, uh, 2018. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> All right. That's Casey Kane. And we're going to step aside when we come back. I'll figure out what year it is and we'll continue with the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. 
What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Cody Coughlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. This is the Renaissance segment of our show (laughs) with Cody Coughlin. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. We're broadcasting live from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina, having a bunch of fun and great to be able to talk with Casey Kane for a little while and uh, get a little bit of insight as to what he has in store for his future. And we're going to switch gears here a little bit talk some nascar k&n pro series we're going to start with the east series and you know what the i think going into this last weekend's race you had the sense that todd gilliland was in control of his own destiny and that as long as he just got through the race in one piece and did what todd has been doing he would probably be okay and then they threw the green. Well, it wasn't even, and then they threw the green. It was, they threw the green, and then lap 53 happened. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. This is why we run the races, uh-huh. because uh, Todd had a little misfortune, and Harrison Burton ends up walking off with the win and the championship. Yes, and this was, oh, my heart broke for Todd, quite frankly, because you never want to have your destiny taken out of your control by some by, by an occurrence that's not in your control rents and that's exactly what happened as is common at dover he lost a right front tire mm-hmm. went into the wall it broke a bunch of stuff they couldn't finish the race he finished 13th and i said at that point it would feel hollow to me if harrison just finished top 5 to win the championship I wanted to see him go out yeah. and win the race, walk off. He did exactly that. It was a great moment, emotional moment. His mom, <laughs> Kim, was going nuts on top of the pit box <laughs> yeah. with the last 10 laps. And, oh, man, to see her and Jeff be able to celebrate with Harrison in victory lane with both trophies, just a cool deal. And for Harrison, the thing that he and I talked about afterwards, I got the chance to talk to him over the phone after that race, and he said to me, we did it. We found our redemption because that was what the whole goal was this year. He wanted redemption for last year after how bad they ran, and he got it. Well, I think, first of all, for Kim and Jeff, that's every race 
car driver parents dream is to see your kids succeed and sure. do what they need to do. But it was classic Dover. And I even said on last week's show that just because, you know, Todd Gilland is the championship favorite going in doesn't mean he's going to walk away with the title at the end of the day. And I think what you saw there was Harrison Burton saying no to the naysayers. And at the same time, he had an agenda. His agenda was simple. Win the race. Yeah. Even though Todd Gilliland, Tom, was the best car out there up until his tire blew. I honestly think that Harrison Burton knew what he was going to do. And he did not have his father, Jeff, on the pit box or talking to him for that matter because he didn't want that. He didn't need any distractions. He just wanted to be a race car driver. Yeah. In Harrison's own words, he banned his dad but, from the pit box. But here's the interesting <laughs> Well, here's the interesting thing here, though, Tom. We were coming to the white and we got a caution. And we don't have lights at Dover. So add that to the mix. And I think really Harrison Burton showed a veteran move and veteran style of racing for the fact that he never panicked. Right. And he took it that last lap all the way to the checkered flag. And guess what? He won the championship using a cooler head. Well, and you know, I think that's, that's Harrison to a T. He is very calm and cool. You don't see him get rattled when he makes a mistake. He owns it. He's much like Chase Elliott in that a very humble young racer. And, and of course, trying to follow in the footsteps of someone like Jeff Burton is no easy yeah. task. And of course, and Todd has it no easier trying to follow in the footsteps of, you know, David and Butch. Um, you know, he's a third generation racer. So it's it's tough for these young kids because they want to establish their own identities, their own personalities, their own legacies, if you will. And certainly these two young racers, it went right down to the wire. Unfortunately, Todd you know, had some misfortune and that's part of the sport. It's and, a scenario where you just wish they could both win Honestly, Yeah. You, you, well, and, and that's true. Um, but this was a big deal for Harrison and you, you referenced last year. You got to remember when Harrison came into the series last year, he was very young, very, not only just by the calendar, but he was very young in his racing development too. I mean, he came out of quarter midgets into late models and really hadn't, I would submit that he really hadn't even mastered the late models. And here he goes up to K and N and he's doing that. And that was just a huge step for him right. in, in a, in an organization like H Scott that again, that's a big, that was a big stage over there. So, you know, I think this year Harrison really found his feet and found his confidence and it showed And MDM Motorsports obviously is one heck of a race team as is David Gilliland racing. And I think, Rents, that that's really this championship was as much about the teams behind the drivers as it was about the drivers themselves. Yeah, exactly. And the teams really showed themselves what they could be capable of, Jacob. And I think the biggest thing that's it's crushing for Todd because we all know what he was trying to accomplish and yeah. be the first ever, you know, champion of both of both coasts. And now, you know, as he goes for another West Series championship. It's, it's got to be a crushing blow to him knowing that this might be or would be probably his only chance to win an East Series championship as he obviously he's going to start looking for bigger and better things in the future. Right. But looking forward to it, I think this might be motivation to win a second championship in the West Series. I agree. And I think if he can just kind of get over that crushing defeat, I think he's going to get it. I do think that he has a chip on his shoulder from the fact he couldn't get it done out of whatever luck happened. And I think we're going to see Todd Gillen do what Todd Gillen does best and run for that championship. Well, he certainly shook the defeat at Dover off very quickly and went to 
Meridian Speedway in Idaho the very next night, quarter-mile bull ring, went out, crossed the finish line third. His teammate Chris Eggleston had crossed the line first, and we thought, oh, this is going to be tight. One-point difference between the two of them. Eh, try again. Chris Eggleston got zinged for jumping the final restart and was dumped unceremoniously to the tail end of the lead lap as such. The dino car, Tom. Michael Self inherits the win at Meridian, his first K&M Pro Series West win in a couple of years, and the Sinclair Oil Scheme, the dino car. They've been trying and trying and trying and trying. Finally, they put it in victory lane, and that was a cool moment. Well, it is a cool moment for Michael Self, but again, you know, one of those moments for Chris Eggleston, he obviously had some issues Mm -hmm. with the call that was made. He aired those issues on Facebook. Yeah, he did uh, in, in great detail and great length. And, you know, again, you know, I didn't see it. I'm not going to comment on it except to say that in Chris's mind anyway, you know, he was a little confused why they called it the way they did. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him because the win that he, you know, in, he earned basically, mm-hmm. but Good win for Michael Self. The a couple of more races left to go in that series, and you know Todd Gilliland. Now, it's sort of one of those things where you say to yourself, "Okay, if you're Todd Gilliland, I've got a bet that you're going to drive just a little bit harder now because yeah. you you lost one you thought you should have had as far as a championship, and you want to make sure you get the other one." That's exactly correct, and I believe that. That has been at the forefront of the minds of all the Bill McAnally Racing crew members, and I don't believe that Todd will give up this 11-point lead that he now has in the West Series without some major fight. Two races to go in the NASCAR K&M Pro Series West, one at Kern County Raceway Park, I believe, and the other at All-American Speedway before we wrap this all up. So we're going to step aside briefly. When we come back, we'll continue down the short track news wire. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, where we are live tonight in Mooresville, North Carolina. We'll be back on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, 
BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show being broadcast live tonight from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina, the leaders in motorsport safety. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com. And folks, get ready because just about 15 minutes from now, if you're listening to this show live, about 15 minutes from now, you are going to see the green flag on Facebook Live of our uh, seminar tonight, which is Onboard Fire Systems. You're not going to want to miss that. So it'll be on both the Race Chaser Online Facebook Live page or Facebook page and also on the uh, HMS Motorsport Facebook page. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Rents Brown, along with uh, the folks from HMS here and while we've got a, a few minutes, I want to talk about something else that came off the newswire today in the form of an announcement. And then also uh, a, a picture or a diagram, I guess, more appropriately, Charlotte Motor Speedway making some announcements relevant to their new road course configuration for the 2018 fall playoff race which is still going to be the bank of america 500 by the way we're just measuring it in kilometers and not miles yes and some interesting wrinkles in that road course that are kind of new to uh new to it and one of them is they they put a chicane in rents which is kind of interesting and the other part of the course is i think it's turn 17 um just coming out toward the front straightaway and going in it's awfully close to pit road i guess they're going to put a wall of some sort there but there's there are some places on this road course where i'm going to be interested to see how cup cars fit side by side or if they do well the big thing is right now uh for those of you listening think of normal charlotte motor speedway and take the grass coming off of turn four and you have a paved chicane now coming to the start-finish line. That's to try to, you know, slow these guys down because we're going to be coming up to full song. Right. And then there's one on the back stretch entering turn three. Now, what this is designed to do is to slow the cars down because we're going to be coming at a very high rate of speed. Right. We've also added turf. 
to where that chicane on the front stretch is. So it's no longer grass coming off of turn four. It is synthetic turf that you would see on a football field or in some cases some weird baseball fields across the country. So that's going to be interesting to see. There will be, I believe there will be, and I know there will be, a pit wall there to protect the pit crews. Yes. Because we're going to be sliding through there. We're going to be going two by two. And for those of you who are worried, Jacob, we will not be going through the restart zone, or the restart zone will not be going through that chicane on the front stretch. We'll be taking NASCAR turn four all the way to the start-finish line before we hit turn one, which is right after the start-finish line. I approve of that, by the way, because I feel like if they were trying to navigate the chicane, it was just going to be a giant mess, Tom. I was a little bit nervous, and then when they said how they were doing the restart procedure, I breathed a sigh of relief. It was just... Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you. Smartness prevails. But, you know, it's it's an interesting course. I guess uh, there'll be some testing coming up soon here. Um, and uh, they, you know, I think we'll see who is, you know, how once the drivers get out and get some time on it, I think we'll see, you know, where we need to, to maybe tweak some things further before next year but you know what it's it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this yeah, works out i think and it's a lot more than i originally thought it was going to be rents to 42,000 square feet of astroturf i just like calling it astroturf because <laughs> that's what it originally was mm-hmm. that's more than half a football field 1100 gallons of glue 300,000 pounds of sand and about 900 man hours of planning and installation that's about a month and a half a lot of man man. hours yeah i mean if you take away the synthetic turf and the man hours you really just got a big old science project that we got (laughs) but you know it's kind of what it is but but the big thing is uh when casey right before we came on air we're talking to casey kane about this and they're gonna have a a test next week after i think they're before talladega if we get the chance with the rain the way it is we don't really know but they're gonna be testing out the road course and we're gonna start getting some tire compounds And the big thing tom is we don't know what to bring for tires right? because Goodyear has never had a roval race. Sure, we've had the roval races with SCCA and different things of that nature, but they're not running 3,400-pound race cars. So it's going to be interesting to see, guys, exactly what they come up with and what the setups are. Because keep in mind, Jacob, we're not only going to be doing a road course as I talked to you about. Mm-hmm. We need to find a balance for the oval itself because balance is key at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, that's true. However, I know, and I was reading this in the announcement today, part of the reason that they added the chicane heading for NASCAR Turn 3 on the backstretch is so that teams could use more of a traditional road course setup because you're never going to be going flat in Mm -hmm. either of the two corners, which is going to be a big key. It's tough on the tire compound, though, Tom. Goodyear's going to have a very unique challenge because the stock car tires are a lot wider. They're built a lot differently than what we see maybe in the WeatherTech Sports Car yeah. Championship with the uh, what will be Michelin tires. Currently, they're Continental tire, but it, it's they're built differently. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work the compound to make it work. I feel like you'll see something similar in a way to what we get at the Rolex 24 at Daytona, but adapted to handle, like Rent said, the 3,400-pound weight of the stock car on top of them. Well, it is unique in the sense that you've got so much of the oval still involved in this, and then 
you know, you've got these tight road course turns. It is going to be a challenge from a tire standpoint. And the thing that I'm going to enjoy about next year's race is it's going to be the first. So because it's going to be the first, nobody will really have figured the whole thing out yet. So I think it's going to be a very interesting race to watch because literally you're going to see teams learning and adjusting as they go. Nobody's going to go into that race with a big advantage over anybody else. I think this, you know, it's going to be fascinating. You know, the track hasn't even been used the way that it's going to be used in this, in this race. And it'll be the first time for that new configuration and all the new wrinkles they've put into it. So, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very unique and different experience in the fall at Charlotte in 2018. I feel like, well, I think the other thing too, is the fact that it's going to be a, a cutoff race for the first round of the playoffs. And I think that's another thing that's going to throw a whole new. Yeah. See, it. and I like that. I, I see. I like when races like Talladega or whatever that, and that's going to be uh, the same kind of thing, a very neutral, unpredictable kind of race to end around with. Road courses are by nature unpredictable yes. because there's so much strategy involved to make it all work. So I, I'm excited. I mean, yes, we've got the 2017 Bank of America 500 coming up this weekend. Rents, it kicks off tomorrow with pole qualifying, the better half dash, and the NASCAR Modifieds on the front stretch quarter mile, Xfinity Cup. Oh, by the way, speaking of cutoff races in the playoffs, we have a cutoff race in the Xfinity playoffs coming on Saturday at CMS Rents. So there's a wrinkle in the works. And one of our playoff contenders is going to be without his crew chief. Yeah, that's going to be a massive thing. That's going to be Daniel Hemrick, who we opened the show with talking about his brand new uh, contract extension for 2018 without his crew chief this week as Danny Stockman Jr. and car chief Clint Alquist both suspended four guys, four races. It's not just a one race, two race, three race. Yeah, that's until Homestead, because keep in mind, we do not race next week for Xfinity because we go to Talladega with the Cup and the Truck Series program. So they have a week off. So the big thing that's going to be happening now is the fact that they're, A, hit with a points penalty. For those of you who don't know, I believe it's Tungsten that fell out of the race car yes. at Dover. Yep. And NASCAR has cracked down on that in recent years because you don't want that going through your windshield. And we've had cases of that happening in the past. So the 21 car that was, you know, docked some points. And really, the big problem is that they're not going to have their crew chief for four races. And, Tom, if you're going for a championship— you want to have consistency in the continuity to yeah. make it into Homestead. And without that, you have to rely on, I believe they have Randall Burnett as their crew chief this week, but it's going to hurt them because they're not going to have the same lingo and the same sort of speaking that they normally do. Well, there's truth in some of that to a point, but a lot of these guys, I mean, Randall Burnett has been a crew chief and a successful crew chief um, in the past. And so, I think if you're going to lose Danny Stockman, Randall Burnett is a guy that can come in and keep your program where it needs to be. And Daniel, certainly it's, it's tougher on a rookie because, you know, the rookie learns with the crew chief and he's used to Danny Stockman communicating with him a certain way and, and working with him a certain way. I'm sure that Danny and Randall will get together, already have gotten together over the week and put a game plan together. Stockman's never going to be that far away. It isn't as though 
there can't be, he just can't be at the track on the pit box, you know? So it's, I'm sure that the, the game plan that's being set right now is basically Danny Stockman's game plan. And it's up to Randall Burnett now to be the quarterback to carry it out with Daniel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Jacob and looking at what the many races that they're going to be missing, the last race they're going to miss is going to be Phoenix with Danny Stockman. Mm -hmm. He will have that crew chief back for Homestead, regardless if they make it through the next round or not. But Charlotte's always been, Jacob, that kind of hair-raising event for the Xfinity Series drivers. We have the PJ1 coming back onto the surface, which means we're going to have a grippier racetrack for, I believe it would probably be the the top line they're going to add it to. And, you know, that's Kyle Larson country. That's Dale Hart Jr. country. And looking at that, Jacob, it's going to be a fun race because the JRM guys are pretty much all but locked in. But the real fight, in my opinion, is, you know, back where Cole Custer is and the 21 of Hemrick, they're going to have a real fight on their hands trying to make it in. And honestly, even looking beyond that, Brendan Gone, Jacob, is a guy that desperately, desperately needs to have a good race at Charlotte because he's on the bubble. He's on the cutoff. And if he doesn't make it, who knows? This might be it. So Charlotte's interesting. It's going to be a day race and let's see what happens because Charlotte is always up there in the excitement category. You better believe that. Oh, I do. Oh, by the way, for anybody curious, last year, this race got postponed until after the cup race. Joey Logano won it in the PPG 12 car for Team Penske, which Sam Hornish is going to be in this weekend while Ryan Blaney who won over a lot of fans by giving the flag to a young fan at Dover last weekend is in the 22 looking for his second straight victory. So a couple nuances there. We're going to step aside when we come back, head over to the race chaser online or HMS motorsport Facebook pages. We are going Facebook live. We have a safety seminar here at HMS talking onboard fire systems. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to the stock car show live from HMS Motorsport on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute, in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. 
The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, presented by HMS Motorsport, which is where we are standing and doing the show from tonight. Uh, HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina. They have another location in Danvers, Massachusetts, and you can visit their website at hmsmotorsport.com. My name is Tom Baker. I am joined by Jacob Seelman and Rents Brown to do the show. But right now, we welcome all of you on Facebook Live. We are broadcasting not only on the Race Chaser Online Facebook page, but also the HMS Motorsport Facebook page and Three Wide Life Facebook page as well. I'm joined by Billy Glavin, and Billy is going to talk to us about onboard fire systems. You and I did kind of a digest version of this on the stock car show last week, I am going to turn the microphone right over to you and just let you tell us about all of this stuff. That's here. Sounds great. Yeah. So I got a couple systems laid out here, uh, different suppressants, different sizes, and we're just going to kind of work our way through them. Um, this bottle right here, the red bottle is a four liter AFFF system. So AFFF is what's in this glass here. You can see it's kind of foamy at the top. It's more or less a soap in water. Um, it works by putting the fire out. Obviously, the water helps put the fire out, and then the soap will cover the surface in a film that will prevent the oil or fluid from coming back up and reigniting. Um, so this is what an AFFF will look like. You need more of it, since it's water-based, to put out a car's suppression. So a 4-liter AFFF system will be equivalent to a 2.25-kilogram system of Novec, just because the, the way the suppressant works differently. Um, right out in front here, I got the nozzles. So a four-liter system will be a, uh, a four-nozzle system. You'll use two nozzles for the cockpit for the driver and then two nozzles for the engine bay. You're going to want to point your nozzles towards the hot sides of the engine where you would most likely have a fire. So headers, obviously, on one side and then usually ignition on the other side. Um, and then moving down the line, these three bottles here represent our three different Novec sizes. Now, all of our systems that I'm showing you today are lifeline systems. That's what we... Uh, we are a dealer for, but all the other systems operate under the same kind of principles and sizes. Um, these are all FIA systems. The SFI systems, again, are very similar in appearance and sizing as well. Um, so going down the line, you have a 1.5 kilogram system here, 2.25 kilograms, and a 3 kilogram system. And you would size your system depending on your size of your car. So like a Bandolero or a Legend car or an open cockpit car like a Formula car would run a 1.5 kg system. This system will come with four nozzles, two for the driver, two for the engine bay. Then your 2.25 system, which is this bottle here, will come with six nozzles. It will be two nozzles for the cockpit, either co-driver and driver, or two for the driver, and then four for the engine bay. And you'll use those at all four corners. 
And then the 3 kg system is a step up from the 2.25, and it gives you an additional two free nozzles that you can use for a fire cell or an external um, gear core type transmission core, something that you worry about getting ripped off and potentially causing a fire. Um, also show here, I have two systems that are electrically activated, and then the one in the middle is mechanically activated. Uh, with two, It would have two pole handles, one for you as the driver, and then one for a corner worker that you would mount outside. The electric systems here would also have two buttons as well. Again, one for the driver, one for a corner worker. Uh, these, this box here is the power box. This is a 9-volt battery in here. So this is separate, completely separate from the car harness. So you don't ever have to worry about power getting killed to the car and not being able to fire your system. It would be a completely separate standalone system. Um, the other nice thing that the electric systems offer, this, this here is called Protect-A-Wire. So this is a fusible link. So you can put this in line with your, your buttons so that if these ever get over uh, about 300 degrees Fahrenheit, it will actually melt this wire, short circuit the system, and fire the head. So it's, it's equivalent to an automatic uh, T-STAT firing system, except it's a little bit more involved in that because you can string this up all along the firewall. You can put it on the floor. You can put it on the roof. Put on the rear firewall if that's where your fuel cell is, and you can basically run the whole car with it so that if anywhere it gets hot enough, it will set the fire off automatically versus a thermostat. You kind of have to have the heat right at the thermostat to set it off. Um, this Novex system here uh, right in the middle is our uh, fire marshal system. This is going to start at $700 for a complete system, two pole cables, all the tubing, all the hosing you need. So this is about the cheapest Novex system on the market that you can get and is a great upgrade for anyone who's not running a fire system or who wants to run, uh, get rid of their AFFF systems. Uh, some of the benefits of the Novex, so here's the glass of AFFF again, here's the glass of Novex. So you can see Novex is a clear liquid. The benefit of Novex is if you pour it out, it just evaporates off. It leaves no residue, no cleanup, and the way it works is by cooling the fire. It takes all the heat out of the fire. So within a couple seconds, that will be gone. Um, it's completely safe for electronics, completely safe for ga gauges, dash panels, anything like that. So if you ever have a fire and you worry about using the system because it's going to create a mess, with Novec, it kind of eliminates all that. Feel free to put, push the button even if you don't see a fire and you know that you're going to get suppression, you're going to get whatever fire potentially could start put out, and then there's going to be no cleanup on the backside. So that's one of the big benefits over an AFFF or a dry powder system where the cleanup can be days, if, if you will, um, and also can be har harmful to your electronics inside the car. Um, so those are the two kind of benefits of the Novec. Uh, also on the table here, I have uh, three different sized handheld Novec systems. These would be used for in the paddock, um, in your garage, at your shop, for your trailer, um, while you're doing refueling, while you're taking fuel samples, all that kind of stuff. These are just great to have around. Um, they're sized differently, 1kg, 2kg, and 3kg. You can also mount these in cars for street cars or for your tow vehicle. Um, I have these all over my shop um, just because if I ever do have a fire, I don't ever want to hesitate in putting it out because I'm worried about creating a mess. The Novec, put it out, no cleanup, no residue, no mess. As you can see, it's all gone on the table here where I poured it out. Um, kind of that's, that's how you, uh, you would put a system in. Um, you know, nozzle placement on the Novec is very important. Um, in the engine bay, you want to put it in all four corners. And if you zoom in on these nozzles here, you'll see that they're about 180 degree uh, nozzle. And that will shoot the Novec out in a pattern. 
And because it's a gas, it will blanket your entire engine bay and kind of cover the whole thing and keep the fire out. Um, and same thing with the driver. When you, when you mount these in your car, you obviously don't want to mount them on the roof because then if you roll over, you're going to crush the tubing. And you don't want to mount them pointing at your face because then you're not going to be able to see. So you're going to pull the fire system, which would be great, but now you can't see to get out. Um, so you want to point these about chest high, back at the driver, and, and cover him in the proper uh, suppression. And then any of these systems are really designed mainly to provide enough time for the driver to get out of the car if there was a fire and not, um, not to save the car. I mean, you can rebuild the car. You can't really rebuild the person. So the Novec and the AFFF will provide you enough time to get out. And then ideally a corner worker, if the fire is still going on, by that time, a corner worker or somebody else with a bigger system will come and help put the fire out. But really, these are all designed to give you enough time as a driver to get out of the car and to, to be safe. Um, and we can go over here real quick and look at uh, our cockpit here. We, this is our mock-up cock cockpit that we have in the uh, showroom just to show customers. It has all of our safety products in it. But here is an example of a two-person set up for a driver and a co-driver. So each has their own nozzle for protection. You can see that they're mounted pointing back at the driver from the cockpit. Uh, the nozzles are mounted level. The tubing, which is for the Novec systems, is an eight millimeter aluminum tubing that's bendable. And it, we also provide a fire overbraid to give the tubing a little bit more time to hold up in a fire. Um, we have mounted uh, on the left side here, the pole handle for the driver somewhere that he can easily see. Um, again, he can get it as he's getting out. He can drop the net, drop the steering wheel, climb out, pull the fire system on his way out, or pull that first, then get out. It just depends on however you want to do it in practice. And then back here, you can see where the bottle is mounted. Um, the benefit of our FIA systems are part of the FIA regulation is the system has to be able to fire in any orientation. So ideally, mounting it in this orientation is the best because unless you stick the car on its side, it's going to be level and be able to get all the uh, suppression out. Um, but you want to put it somewhere in the back, out of the way, somewhere you can remember. This system obviously has its safety pin in, but one of the biggest things you got to make a note of if you do a system, whether it's an electronic or a mechanical system, is to arm your system before you go out. If you went out with this pin still in and you went to pull the cable, it's not really going to provide you much help. Um, so that's one of the things we see a lot is guys going out without their fire systems armed. The other thing that we see a lot on the mechanical systems is people not maintenancing the cable. So the cable itself has to be every couple months taken out, uh, lubed up with like a silicone lube to make sure that that cable is going to pull when you do pull it. If you leave it in, if you put it in there when you set the car up, you never touch it. A year goes by, two years go by and you try to pull that cable, there's a potential that it's going to be stuck in there. It's going to be corroded. It's going to be rusted. So you want to make sure that it is uh, nice and free-moving. And then also, once you mount the cable, before you actually arm the system, you want to make sure you can pull it. Um, you know, you want to make sure you have too many bends or kinks in the cable that it's going to be too hard to pull. Um, so you want to make sure that the cable is easy to pull and, and easy to activate and somewhere you can reach it. For that reason, we often recommend the electronic systems because now you just have to run a wire. Um, this system here and our power packs has a whole self-diagnostic system where it will tell you if the battery is dead. It will tell you if you have a short circuit in the system. It will tell you if your switches are wired up properly. So it's pretty much foolproof. And as long as you have a 9-volt power, 
which we recommend replacing every six months um, just to be safe, but it should last the whole race season. But you can chest the battery. Uh, but as long as you have 9-volt and you arm that and you press that button, that system will fire. Um, the system is extremely reliable. The firing pin that actually we use in our no, in our electronic systems is a NATO part. It's a mil-spec part. Um, so it's highly regulated and highly controlled. So we, we were, have very few, if any, uh, misfires on the firing actuator. And it's just very easy to wire in your car. You don't have to worry about cables. You don't have to worry about them crimp, getting crimped or bound up. And uh, it's very reliable. So that's kind of an overview of our fire systems. If anybody has questions about fire systems, where can they reach somebody here at HMS? Or how do they get a hold of you to uh, get uh, any questions? Call for HMS Mainline um, that you can find on our website, hmsmotorsport.com. And uh, you can ask for Billy. Uh, I kind of answer all the fire stuff. All the other guys know a lot about them, too. Um, I've done a lot of installs. I have them in my own race cars, so I know how they work. I've actually had to use the handheld system before. I was at Indianapolis this year for a vintage event, and an old F5000 car had a little bit of a fire next to me in the garage. And uh, I was able to put it out with my Novec, and they were very thankful because it didn't create a mess, and it saved the car, and they could continue on racing that weekend. Well, Billy Glavin, thank you for taking the time to uh, explain fire system safety to us and uh, look forward to more seminars in the future here at HMN. Sounds great. Thank you for coming out. All right. That is uh, Billy Glavin, and we are going to step aside. When we come back, it's back to PMN Radio we go, and more of the Stock Car Show presented by the fine folks from HMS Motorsport. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on PMN the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. 
outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Harrison Rhodes, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. We are back on Facebook Live, and again, want to welcome everybody watching us on our Facebook Live cast. We are still at HMS Motorsport, and we still have Billy Glavin with us, only this time, He's going to tell us about what this cup seat is all about here. And I've never actually studied a cup seat out of a cup car, Billy. So I'm going to let you just go ahead and educate us on all of the fine points of this. Yeah, sounds great. So uh, this year is an example of a Hendrick seat. Uh, these have been in the racing series since about 2002. Um, they were brought in uh, to improve the safety of the driver. Overall, they've kind of evolved since then. Almost everyone in Cup now is running a carbon seat, whether it's the Hendrick version or there's another version, uh, a saw belt version. There are a few aluminum seats still, but the, the carbon seats seem to have really taken off. Um, three years ago, NASCAR went to a new standard for seats uh, in which it's uh, SFI uh, standard, and all the belts are integral to the seat. So if you look at the seat that we have here, the lap belts, the substraps, and the shoulder belts are all physically mounted to the seat. And the seat provides all the structure. The seat actually only ties into the car on the side here with the two bolts on either side. And then on the back, which is to the seven bar. But that's about it. Other than that, the seat is a self-contained unit. Um, this seat here is crash tested to 70 Gs in getting its NASCAR approval. Uh, they will hit it on a, on a crash sled, 70 Gs frontal. 30 degree and a 90 degree. Um, so the seat is a very strong, structurally sound seat. Um, it weighs 43 pounds. Um, that's a mandated uh, rule. So even the aluminum seats are that same um, same weight so that there's no weight advantage. So people don't choose a seat because of weight. They choose a seat because of safety. Um, some of the features that you see here, uh, this seat has a uh, poured in liner. So this is 45.2 SFI foam poured liner. Um, that will provide you the proper amount of cushioning to be comfortable, but also the proper impact rating. Um, you don't want to use in any application for any seat, whether it's a cup seat or your late model seat or anything, you don't want to use any foam but SFI 45.2 foam. This foam is designed to absorb energy, to not spring you back, because uh, what you don't want to do, say you take a big right side hit, your head hits the headrest here, the foam compresses, and then it shoots you back across, and now you have whiplash and you get damaged over here this foam will take your head in an impact and will cushion it and give away just enough to dissipate the energy but not spring you back to the other side um, versus your standard foam that you would find at you know a home depot or a lowe's would would not provide that kind of of safety so that's why you want to always use a 45.2 foam um, the separate the other function you see of the seat is it has a separate headrest so the headrest mechanism is with these weld-on uh, mounts here are set per the driver. So a, a driver will come in, and part of the fitting for a new driver, new seat, will be positioning of the headrest. Um, when they're in the car, 
you'll see their eyes will be about level with this headrest and their heads will be back here in, in normal race trim. The reason the headrest is so big and sticks out so far on the right side, not as much on the left side, but on the right side, because obviously in, in NASCAR, the right side hit is the big one that you always see. But in a standard accident, your driver will come forward about 8 to 10 inches off the back of the seat. So the headrest needs to be about 15 inches forward to catch that driver's head, and it needs to be on this angle down so that as he comes forward and as his head moves forward and then he has a secondary impact, he's going to catch this headrest and not go the other side of the seat. So it's very important um, to have a headrest like this in a, in a stock car. In sports car racing, uh, you'll see nets. They'll use nets instead because obviously they can't see out of this. Um, you know, NASCAR being an oval, they have spotters. They don't need to see out the right side. But in sports car racing, you need to be able to see out the right side. So they use nets in the same function. Um, going from there, you'll see that the belts in this car are, are Schrott double shoulder belts. Um, they have a three-inch belt for the shoulder and then a two-inch for the Hans device or head and neck restraint. Um, these came out to provide a better security for the driver because it, it's comfortable, more comfortable for them but it's also a safer setup. So the three-inch belt is used to retain the body in a rollover-type situation. So this will only come into play when he goes upside down, and the shoulder belt will try to hold him in. In a frontal, the two-inch belt will take over and will retain the head and neck restraint and retain the body in the forward action when you have a big frontal. Um, our seats here has two adjustable lap belts um, pulled down away from the driver, um, this is a common setup for teams that aren't using the same driver every week. They'll go with the adjustable. Uh, a lot of our drivers will use fixed belts. They'll use a fixed both laps or at least a fixed left side lap. Uh, they like that security. They like the weight. Um, they get it nice and tight. And then this is our T-bar belt. Uh, the one thing that this seat doesn't have is because it's an older shell is it does not have the mounting point for the seven point. Uh, NASCAR is a mandatory seven or nine point belt now. Um, I got a seven-point belt here to show. So this is what is mandatory in NASCAR now. Uh, they added this two years ago to the Cup Series, and then they added it uh, all the way down to truck now. is mandatory. This seven-point we call the negative G. And what this is used to do is to hold the driver in when he goes in a rollover. Uh, this will act as an anchor to keep that lap belt and to keep that pelvis down in the seat and not let him come vertically up and potentially get to the roof or outside the roll cage. Um, so this has been a huge improvement in safety and, and really works to keep the drivers down in the seat, especially when uh, at the super speedways where they tend to get airborne a little bit more. Um, and it's been a really great safety feature that we've added in uh, when they went to all belts to seat. That was added at the same time. Um, and then we made a, a two-inch version or a one-inch version for comfort. So... That's what keeps these guys safe. That's why you see them walking away from accidents that are uh, sometimes pretty spectacular. The combination of the seat, the liner, and the belts all work together to make uh, everything survivable for these guys. Um, and the reason NASCAR went to the standard of getting the belts off the chassis is because the common uh, accident in NASCAR is two, three, four hits. And so if you had your shoulder belts mounted to your roll cage, and say you took a big side impact and it crushed that, that shoulder bar, now your shoulder belts are not going to be functioning the way that you want them to. They've either going to loosened up or maybe tightened up. And then if you take a second or third impact, now your belts aren't where they were before. Versus when you have a seat like this that can withstand 70-plus G hits, uh, you can take those multiple impacts and not have any compromise to the driver's safety cell. Um, 
and, and same thing with the headrests and all that. This seat doesn't have it because it's not in a car. But what NASCAR teams have now gone on to improve the safety even further is you see the three mounting holes here. They will actually mount leg boards that go all the way up to the pedals. And they've actually started making covers over the top to keep their legs. So the drivers will slide down in and have their legs and their feet in a cocoon of carbon as well as SFI 45.2 foam uh, everywhere surrounding their legs to prevent lower leg injuries. Um, you know, if you restrain everything up here, essentially something's got to move, and it's usually the feet because there's no straps for the feet. And so the leg board has added a lot of intrusion protection. And then additionally, this year they started it at the speedways. Next year it's going to be mandatory for all tracks. NASCAR has added more plating to the floor, the front firewall, and the left side. Again, that is to prevent driver intrusion uh, or protection for driver intrusion on the left front, uh, getting that wheel pushed back into the into the car or the engine or something like that. So the thicker plating, the additional of the leg boards has really helped keep the lower extremity injuries down um, and, and really provided a lot more safety for them. And um, so that's, that's kind of what a NASCAR seat looks like out of the car. Um, you'll see teams, they'll typically have well-funded teams will have eight seats probably ready to go. Um, they treat these as a unit, so they'll have liners, belts, and seats, and they just plug them into their cars because at any given time, they'll have that many cars together. So they have a lot of seats. Um, they now have gotten to the point where these liners used to be a poured liner. Uh, now most of the teams have gone to a CNC liner. So pre-Daytona in January, they'll have a driver come in. He'll get his fire suit on. He'll come in do a, a seat fitting. They'll get the steering wheel, the brakes, everything where they want it. They'll do a seat pour one time, and then they'll take that pour out. They'll bring it over. They'll scan it using a 3D scanner, get all the dimensions, all the critical parts, and then they'll take a big block of foam and put it in a, in a CNC mill and mill that foam out to be the exact shape that the driver poured it was. And the reason they do that is, one, they can make it a lot lighter because they can use a different foam than the poured foam, and two, they can make it so it's repeatable. So they can get eight to ten liners. Every liner is the same. They don't have to have the driver come in every week and do another pour they can have them all kind of on a production line um and that way teams can keep moving because they have well, obviously a lot of cars to get together and they gotta they gotta keep the seats um going into cars so that that's the, been a big change is, is going away from the poured liner and believe it or not you can save almost 10 pounds in the liner just by going to the cnc liner versus the poured liner um and what other functions do we want to talk about on the seat here? Um, they don't don't have much uh, much else to add. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, actually, you were talking about the intrusion protection a minute ago, Billy, and I um, that's something that I know has been widely talked about, and actually a lot of that comes in response to the accident we saw at Daytona a couple years ago, has been added safety features from Kyle Busch's crash to help keep the driver's legs a lot safer. Absolutely, Absolutely. and that's, that's where that leg box that I was talking about also came in. Um, you know, if you don't have your legs restrained and you have a big accident and they go up, there's a lot of dash bars in there. Um, and which is what caused the injuries to Kyle. So trying to keep those legs in there. And then when you have a big left front and you push that wheel back, um, it's got to go somewhere and, and something's got to stop it. And until they, they improved the plating up there, there just wasn't enough steel to stop that tire from pushing back in um, versus now with the thicker plating that they've rolled out for the speedways this year and then every track next year, that should really increase. The other thing they've done is they've actually changed the steering column mount 
Um, so they've changed the way it's mounted so it's a little bit stiffer, but they've also made it so that in a big impact, if the steering wheel does get pushed back, it's actually going to get pushed back and up away from the driver instead of back and into the driver's chest plate, which is something we don't we want to overlook. Billy Glavin, thank you so much for the uh, time tonight and all of the folks from HMS Motorsport. Our s seminar concludes for the evening. Thanks to all of you who tuned in to watch. If you tuned in late, don't worry. Just give it a few minutes. Once it ends, it'll kind of reset itself. You can just watch from the beginning. And, of course, we've got more to come on the Stock Car Show. If you've not downloaded the PMN Radio app for your device, do that. You can listen to the last uh, half hour of our show. And we are going to be joined by Kyle Souza in our next segment on the radio to talk New England motorsports. So stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette it's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD. The entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. 
It's time to catch up on the latest from the New England racing scene. On the Stock Car Show, here's Tom Baker with Kyle Souza. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, which is where we are at this present moment and have been spending the evening doing this show from HMS Motorsports location in Mooresville. want to thank Joe and all of the folks here at HMS for hosting us once again and uh, allowing us to be a part of the fire systems safety seminar that uh, you just saw and, and heard about on PMN Radio, saw it on Facebook Live. Uh, the videos will be there if you happen to tune in too late. Uh, they're still there. You can go watch them on either our Race Chaser Online Facebook page or HMS Motorsport Facebook page, and we hope that you uh, get a lot of good information out of that. We are talking New England motorsports in this segment, and we bring in our New England Motorsports correspondent for Race Chaser Online, Kyle Souza, who also, of course, is part of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR team covering the Wheel and Modified Tour, writes for Area Auto Racing News as well. Kyle, welcome back to the program, and the Wheel and Tour getting down to crunch time here we're down to one which will be next week at thompson the finale and the champion will be crowned here's what we learned at stafford ryan priest got his heart broke by eric goodale who passed him with just a few laps to go and doug kobe walks out of there with a double digit points lead that is hardly safe but does seem somewhat encouraging for him going into a track where he does very well traditionally. Yeah, Tom, I think we'll break down first uh, the race itself. Let's of course, do it. We're going to have to fall, find a 150, uh, one of the most prestigious events of the season for the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour and the 45th annual event there at Stafford Motor Speedway. Quick mention outside of the Wheel of Modified Tour, Stafford did take the opportunity to retire Ted Christopher yes. number 13. From SK Modified competition, so that was great to see as well. Uh, a lot of people on hand to see that, and a great crowd up there at the Napa Fall Final on Sunday. For the race itself, Ryan Priest starts on the pole in his number six, leads a lot of laps on Sunday afternoon, a part of that race. Priest leading 115, a race high uh, for him, actually more than that. So 135 of the 150 laps Priest leading. The other laps, Ronnie Williams picked up a couple in the middle of a pit stop cycle, but the man that takes the checkered flag with a late move to the bottom in turn three, coming to three laps to go is Eric Goodale, who starts 18th on the grid, works his way all the way through the field and takes the checkered flag in the Napa Fall Final. And, I, and we talked about this race a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, last week, looking into it. I don't know that we really thought Eric Goodale was going to be the favorite going there. I don't think he was the favorite for a lot of that race. But, man, he snuck up on Priest in the final laps with a fast race car and went to victory lane. Yeah, and you know what? It's really interesting that you, and probably appropriate to the way this season has gone on the Wheel and Modified Tour, that you come right down to the championship wire, Jacob, and then you get a driver like Eric Goodale who says, okay, I know I'm not running for a championship here, but let me just go win this race. Well, you know what? That's the beauty of auto racing is exactly. the fact that it's not only the championship favorites that are involved in the sport. It's everybody. And I love this. The last win for Eric Goodale before the fall final, Kyle, was Bristol. I was there, and Eric went nuts. It was great. The enthusiasm he brings to the tour is just incredible. And 
there was every bit of that enthusiasm on Sunday afternoon at Stafford. This was a long time coming for him to get back to victory lane. And good grief, I hope it's the start of many more for him because he's the type of personality that the tour really needs more of. And this was just fun. I loved it. And you know what? As much as Ryan Priest tried to win the last two races, his runner-up finish, still good enough to keep him alive in the championship fight, if only barely. Well, and... and uh... Uh, Kyle pointing out in our chat here that, in fact, Goodell does have a mathematical shot to win the championship. The win kept him alive. Yeah, it kept him alive. Actually, it kind of put him back in it, I think, if you want to say it correctly. And he passed Rowan Pennick in the standings. He is fifth, Pennick now sixth. But, Kyle, I mean, I know he has a mathematical shot, but if you really look at this, you've got Doug Kobe at 563. Justin Bonsignor, 10 back at 5.53. Salamito, 5.51. He's 12 back. And Priest is 19 back at 5.44. You would have to think that realistically here, yes, Ryan Priest still has a chance, but you really would think that the top three here would be the three we were watching, Kobe, Bonsignor, and Salamito going into this last race. Because even if Ryan wins, unless the other three all sort of finish outside of the top four or five, it seems like he's going to have trouble making up enough points to to pass them all. But it, it is fun going into the last race with six drivers having a mathematical shot. Pennick mathematically could do it. He's 33 points out, but he's got a chance anyway. Yeah, I think that, you know, to me, this is a three-man race uh, heading for the yeah. Snooker World Series for the championship as far as the driver's championship concern. Uh, Kobe, obviously, with a 10-point advantage. He didn't run well Sunday at Stafford, and he was vocal about that after the race. That car was not where it needed to be. Uh, he ran outside the top 10 for a portion of that race uh, in the middle of a cycle of pit stops, and they could not get the handle on that number two. Does that concern me going to Thompson? Not that much. But a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Justin Bonsignor has been a master of Thompson over the last couple of years. Of course, the defending winner uh, of the Sunoco World Series behind the wheel of his number 51. They haven't been very strong at some of the other tracks, Jacob, but he's got himself 10 points out going to a track he really likes. And if he wins and gets a couple bonus points and Kobe finishes fifth, I don't think that's out of the question. You know, last year, year before, we knew going to Thompson, Doug Kobe was basically had this locked up. He was going to go there and, you know, be the invisible and just dominate the race. Well, remember earlier this year at the icebreaker, Kobe ended up in the wall before lap one was even concluded. So, I mean, anything can happen going to a place like Thompson. This is definitely a chance for Bonsignor and Salamito, who's two back of Bonsignor, to pounce on him. But they do definitely need something to happen. Yeah, I would, I would think that this would be basically a situation where Doug Kobe says, okay, I've got a 10-point lead. I have to go in this race. I know that Pennant can be good at Thompson. I know, obviously, Priest wants to go in. You know, he's probably got the owner's championship just about sewed up at this point, unless he has a really bad outing. But from a driver's standpoint, I think Kobe looks at this as his opportunity to go take what he no doubt believes would be rightfully his. He had a slow start to the season with some bad luck, but... He's been clawing his way back into this ever since. And over the last few weeks, I would argue that by and large, he's been, with the exception of possibly Priest, he's been the hottest car. And I think this just feels, Jacob, like it's Doug Kobe's race to lose 
uh, or championship to lose at this point, even though it's only 10 points. I feel like Kobe's got control of this going into a track where he really is confident and has done very well in the past. Absolutely. And let's take the math and make it really, really simple for everybody. No matter what any other driver does, Kyle, if Doug Kobe finishes in the top five during the World Series in a couple of weeks, he wins the championship. That's it. If there's a tiebreaker, it could well depend on who wins the race versus whatever. But irregardless, a top five finish, no matter what anybody else does, wins Doug Kobe the title. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Doug Kobe's proven that for years. Probable? I would say normally it's probable, but in a season where anything literally can and has happened at times, including to Doug, I'm not willing to say a 10-point lead is safe at all. Uh, I don't think a 10-point lead is safe either, Jacob, but I think uh, I I mentioned Bonsignor. Salamito is also really strong at Thompson. He doesn't have competition fighting him that is not good at Thompson. These guys that are fighting him in the championship chase are definitely among some of the fastest cars at Thompson that we've seen all year in the first three stops there. Of course, Priest winning a couple of those, Tom. But, I mean, the guys that are fighting with him for this championship are not going to lay over. These guys are going to have speed, and they're going to contend with him right down to the final laps. Well, let me throw in a quick point here, too. You look at Ryan Priest sitting in fourth place. He's 19 points out of first, but you start looking at numbers here. Okay, Priest, five wins on the season, 12 top fives, 12 top tens. So basically, all of his finishes have been top fives or better for for, uh, Priest. You look at the other guys, and between the other three guys above him, five wins. One for Kobe, four for Salamito, zero for Bonsignor. If Priest had not missed two races, we likely are looking at a very different scenario here going into Thompson, you'd have to say. If that's the case, we'd be looking at Priest having locked up the title a week ago. Yeah. And, you know, talking to Priest after the race at, at Stafford this past weekend, uh, Priest telling me, I'm glad we've kind of locked up the owner's title, but man, does it suck that I missed two races and I'm still this close in the championship. So he knows it. And uh, I think, you know, going over this last race of the season, he's going to obviously try to go out on top. And if he can win and put up his sixth victory of the year, I think that's probably, even though he won't win the championship, he's definitely going to have the best season of any of the drivers on the tour. Yeah, I mean, it's just been interesting that one driver has dominated so heavily to the point where he's missed two races and still has a fair shot at winning a driver's championship despite that. And I know, Kyle, we as we sort of move away from the modified tour for a minute or so to close this out, big, big race coming up at Seekonk this weekend. I've been there a couple times for this race. I love the DAV. Yeah, they had their DAV Fall Classic for their Fast Friday divisions this past Friday night, so a week ago uh, tomorrow that concluded already. But uh, Saturday afternoon, they'll have their 150-lap super late model event with $6,000 up to win. Eddie McDonald, uh, Wayne Helliwell, Joe Squealia, Derek Griffith, some of the outsiders that are going to come in uh, that are registered to try and put that number 52 of Dave Darwin that's won eight out of the 16 races in that division this year. Uh, they're going to try and put him to rest and pick up the victory. $6,000 up for grab. Of course, they'll have their weekly divisions as well along with it, with their uh, their weight model division, their sportsman division, and their uh, pickup trucks as well. So that all coming this weekend. And then, of course, we mentioned Thompson. Tom, that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Really a good time uh, to be up here in New England as far as racing is concerned. Boy, we've got Seekonk this weekend. 
Thompson the following weekend, Waterford the weekend after that for their finale, and then uh, right at the end of the month there, the Haunted 100, of course, the Tri-Track Series event added at Seekonk uh, as the last race of New England. Yeah, that's really, it. it is a glorious time to be a New England racing fan, just a veritable four or five week feast of big shows, and much to enjoy there throughout the many divisions that compete in them. We'll talk more about Thompson next Thursday as we get closer to the tour finale. With that, we step aside. Thank you, Kyle, once again for joining us. We will be back with more of the Stock Car Show live from HMS Motorsport right here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dylan Bassett, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. 
Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Rents Brown, all of us from RaceChaserOnline.com. Your motorsports, your way, all day, every day. Make sure you visit our site daily and watch the Facebook page. Like or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Race Chaser News. Also on Instagram at Race Chaser News as well. And go follow our partners at Three Wide Life as well on on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A lot uh, going on with Three Wide Life these days, Three Wide Life TV. And um, looking forward to this last segment here, broadcasting live from HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Jacob, we go into the lightning round, and we look ahead to what's going on at Charlotte this weekend Lots of interesting stuff. We've got the Xfinity series. We've got the Cup series. We've got a, a, a NASCAR modified race at Charlotte tomorrow night, which is yep. Friday night. Um, so a lot to look forward to this weekend. And, you know, full playoff mode at this point. This Bank of America 500 and the Xfinity race as well. Now, the NASCAR modified race is not a points race, but. Um, you know, lots of stuff going on within each division here. Lots of implications coming out of Charlotte. Chase implications, as they used to say. Yes, it's now it's now playoff, playoff implications. implications. But the biggest playoff implications will come during Saturday's drive for the Cure 300. The Xfinity race, because it is the cutoff for round number one in the playoffs for the Xfinity series rents. And you mentioned it earlier, Brendan Gone is the man on the cut line. So I'm just going to be that guy. Does Brendan Gone advance? Do you do we think seriously the 62 makes round two? Well, Brendan's a guy that's going to drive his, you know, what off to try to get back up towards the front. And, you know, he struggled the last couple of weeks and they really lost their footing from what they're where they were, where they were last year. And. You know, right now he's two points off of the last playoff spot that's being held by Ryan Reed, and there's really no one else that can fall that far back. I mean, sure, Matt Tift is about 14 points up, but I don't see Matt Tift losing that many spots. The bottom four right now in the, you know, final four here are Brendan Gaughan, Michael Annette, Blake Cook, and Jeremy Clements. And I think the two, Jacob, that stand out to me are Brendan Gaughan and Blake Cook because both of them made it into the second to final round last season. And for gone more than anybody else, who knows what his 2018 will look like. Yeah. We have no idea what it's going to bring. Who knows if this is his last rodeo. So it would be great to see him make to the next round. And, you know, he's a guy that will hang it all on the line. But a lot will have to happen, I think, still. I think that right now Ryan Reed is going to come into Charlotte. He's the only, you know, Roush Fenway racing driver in the playoffs. He's their only Roush Fenway racing yeah. driver in Xfinity, Tom. I, I want to say Brendan Gaughan will make it into the playoffs, but at the same time, we're in the next round of the playoffs, but at the same time, I don't know how good that 62 car will be off the truck until we see in the first practice. Well, if you look at the standings from 8th to 11th, Ryan Reed, 52 points out of the lead, mm-hmm. but the if you look at the spread, it's 52 54 yep. for gone, 59 for Annette, 64 for Cook, and then Clements is, is in 12th place at 72. So you've got about a 20-point spread there. That's 
kind of it's a half a race roughly i mean this could go either way but the big thing here and i think we keep forgetting is the fact we have stage points on the line well yeah and absolutely for blake cook and jeremy clemens especially they are at a must-win situation oh, i don't yeah. think there's anything absolutely. about it and and i believe maybe not jeremy clemens per se i don't think they're Equipment is up to the same sort of par, unfortunately, Jacob. Unfortunately. But, but, I mean, stranger things mm-hmm. have happened. However, I just mm-hmm. don't know if I see it in this case. Well, the big thing I'm looking at is the fact if you're Blake Cook, Michael Annette, or Brennan Gaughan, you're going to roll the dice. Sure and Brennan Gaughan's rolled the dice from about Iowa onwards. Well, or well, Jeremy Clements, for that matter. If you're Jeremy Clements, you're rolling the dice. You're coming up with anything. I'll be honest, Rents, I disagree with you. I don't think being only two points out... I don't think Brendan Gaughan can afford to roll the dice. I think Brendan's focus needs to be on beating the guys that he should be able to beat. He's proven that he can beat Ryan Reed. And let's remember this, too. Just like Ricky Stenhouse in the cup Mm -hmm. race at Dover, this could easily come down to stage points. It could be about getting enough stage points to offset where you finish in relation to the drivers you're trying to beat. And of these five guys, Reed, Gone, Annette, Cook, and Clements, I feel like Brendan Gone honestly, has been the one who's proven that he can get those stage points when it matters. Well, I was just about to say Ricky Stenhouse Jr. because he gambled and he it paid off. He gambled and it paid off massively for him, and it came down to two points between he and Ryan Newman for the final cutoff spot. So anything is possible. Tom, We've been talking about him for about three or four weeks now. It's Cole Custer. Yeah. His mile-and-a-half program has been strong from the outset, really starting to come into his own. Stuart Haas Racing, finding their mojo. Is this finally the week in which Cole Custer gets it done? Charlotte is, you know, one of you know, going to be a good track for him. I believe it's one of his best, if you think, for the mile-and-a-half program. Can that double zero find a way to get to victory lane finally and just take some load off his shoulders of finally getting that win? Well, I think he could. I mean, certainly that team, probably more than any other regular Xfinity team, has improved over the last month or two. Um, I feel like he could get it done. Now, you're going to have Ryan Blaney in the race. I mean, you're going to have, you know, Alex Bowman in the 42. And even though Alex hasn't sat in that car before, you can't count him out. I mean, Alex is strong at Charlotte. And, you know, that car runs well. But I think this this is a race. You look at Hemrick, and he's without his crew chief, and you know, you, you, it, this could be a race that Cole Custer could win. But I feel more like if Custer doesn't win, the thing that I'm looking at is the big picture for him. I believe he's got a great shot right now. As long as he doesn't have a hiccup, he's got a great shot to make the final four at Homestead. And if he can do that. Then I think that's a track where he actually could go out and get it done. Yep. Jacob, I got a question for you here. Oh, Dover please. was the final race for the composite body for the Xfinity series. And to be quite honest with you, I was a big fan of the composite body. I thought it brought a lot to it and the teams weren't allowed to really touch the car as much. Do you think that this will start to transition us to a more of a push for the composite body, not only in Xfinity, but for the cup series, because it made it harder to drive for the cars of the uh, Xfinity at Dover. And it made it more fun for us to watch because it wasn't just the same guys up front 
all race. What do you think, Jacob? I've thought from the beginning that the composite bodies, not just from a cost-saving standpoint, but from a racing standpoint, were an inevitability for both the Xfinity and the Cup Series. But I do want to correct one little thing there, Renz. Mm -hmm. There is actually a third composite body race coming at Phoenix. Oh, well, I guess I missed that memo, but yep. you know. It's Richmond, Dover, Phoenix are the three composite body races for the Xfinity Series this year. And I'm excited for Phoenix because it adds that extra variable of being a cutoff race <laughs> yeah. to go to Homestead. Hello. Well, that's the big thing, too. And I, I think the guys that you see up front, the 42, obviously, you're going to have the 18, the 20. The normal guys up front are still there. My question now goes to this, guys. JRM has just been on a roll. <laughs> three of the top three spots are occupied by JRM drivers. Which guy currently right now is the guy to beat? Allgaier, Byron, or Sadler? Well, I said when this started that Justin Allgaier would win the championship, and that wasn't a knock on either Byron Sadler or the fourth car of Michael Annette, but I just really feel like this works in the favor of Justin Allgaier right now. Mm -hmm. He's in the lead. The junior motorsports group as a team is doing very, very well. I think Allgaier, Byron, and Custer are the three I watch. I'm not. I mean, Sadler could win it for sure, Jacob, but I just feel like those three guys are the three guys I'm paying the most attention to right now. Well, well exactly. And that's going to be a big thing here, Jacob, as you know, we look ahead to Charlotte. We also start to look back at, you know, one of our lost team owners in the garage area, Robert Yates, who passed away this past week. After his battle with liver cancer, Jacob, obviously our thoughts, Tom, are with him and Doug and all of his family. You know, there are certain members of our sport who we've grown up being able to watch work and to get to know over the years. And Robert Yates had friends in every corner of the garage mm -hmm. for decades not just when he was involved himself, but for decades after he had the respect of everybody in the garage. And you know what? We're really all going to miss Robert's presence, but what a legacy he leaves behind and a lot of memories of a time in stock car racing that to me was just absolutely glorious. Absolutely was. And uh, before I offer my final reflection, we first obviously want to say thanks to our social media partners at Three Wide Life, Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, as well as Billy Glavin, Joe Marco, all the staff here at HMS Motorsport for both hosting us tonight for the third in our series of safety seminars and being great supporters of short track racing and what this show is all about. We can't uh, say thank you to all of them enough for all that they've put in here over the last couple of months to making everything we do possible here on the stock car show and the performance motorsports network. And for me, Robert Yates legacy was kind of uh, threefold in a way, but the one thing that stuck out to me of all the traits that he showed was loyalty, not just to the brand, to Ford, but to the drivers and teams that he worked with. When you were working with Robert Yates, you knew that you were working with somebody who was going to have your back, who was going to do everything that needed to be done in order to put you to the front to get races and ultimately a championship, which he won with Dale Jarrett in 1999. It's just one of those moments where you sit back and, and reflect, and he was going to be and will be inducted 
into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in January. And while I know we're all sitting here wishing that Robert could have made it to January to get the blue jacket put on and to be, you know, put in there right. Uh, just the fact that he knew and was there for the day when his name was called to enter the hall was something that I know Doug and Robert both were exceptionally thankful for. So as we close tonight's show, we do stop, pay a nod, and pay a tribute to the legacy of longtime Ford man, two-time Daytona 500 champion engine builder, 1999 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion owner and longtime friend to everyone in this sport, Robert Yates, who fought valiantly against liver cancer and passed away Monday night at the age of 74. We dedicate this show to the Yates family. For Rents Brown, Tom Baker, I'm Jacob Seelman. Good night from all of us here at PMM. You've been listening to The Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.